0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 160 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live from Minneapolis in a hotel room, so hopefully it sounds okay on my end, and joining me as often, Scott Coleman. What's up, man?
1: What's up, Brad? Nice to uh, have a couple wins to talk about this week instead of uh, it was a pretty rough opening week uh, to open up the season in Philly.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to title this uh, something like That's More Like It or something like that because it was uh, <laughs> much, much better this week. Of course, when, when we when when you and I last talked, they had won a game because we talked, I think it was, what was that, Tuesday or Monday night um, after the Ronald Acuna uh, extension and all that fun stuff. They did play better briefly. Um, but yeah, it was a, a positive week in general. Um, just for clarity's sake, the Braves have now won 5 of 6 after the opening sweep. They're 5 and 4 and... uh back-to-back series wins, a sweep over Chicago, which was uh, very interesting. We'll talk about that in a second. And then after losing to Miami on Saturday, it got a little bit dicey today on Sunday when they uh, allowed the game to be tied in the ninth, but a, uh, a pretty breezy walk-off win considering it was bases loaded, no outs uh, in a tie game. And they, were, they were pretty likely to score there and Dads became up big. So uh, before we get to all of that and, and the specifics, I do have to ask you one more time, probably the only time, we'll see. Stuff, stuff, keeps, stuff keeps happening, but the Tiger Woods thing hit another level this week, Scott, and we have to start there because you did a national radio hit <laughs> based on this. I did, and that is hysterical. Um, we'll talk. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. But the Braves official account tweeted a uh, an image of Tiger Woods <laughs> on Thursday, which was hysterical. Um, Braves Braves fam flooded the Cubs Twitter account mentions with like a barrage, that they got into it with the Marlins a little bit over the weekend. The movement sort of hit its apex, and uh, that resulted in you doing, uh, again, a national radio hit. So I have to ask you what's going on with that because I know we talked about it twice now, but it just keeps getting crazier.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was it was Friday morning, and I I was getting ready for the day, and, and of course, it's being on the West Coast. It's a little bit earlier out here, but I got an email about seven thirty, and from MLB Network Radio, uh, a producer asking if if I could come on and talk about it. So it was, I mean, I almost thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, no, this, this seems legit. So. Um. Yeah, they were great. They reached out, and, and I did a bit. It's on the site. If if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, it's about ten minutes on. Just kind of the his the oral history of of the Tiger Woods photo that that's <laughs> gone wild. Um. Yes, yeah, so that was that was cool. I was a little nervous. I'd like to think doing these podcasts every now and then uh, helped prepare me for for you know a live radio audience, which was a little unnerving. But it was it was cool to do and a lot of fun and, and glad uh, we kind of share with everyone just yeah you know, how how crazy the the movement had gotten
0: yeah I mean shouts to uh, Gaurav, uh who's been on this podcast and Rho of course for uh helping to spread that madness on the on the yes. Um, yes yes, but uh yeah, just a just kind of hilarious a couple of the people that you and know, I interact with regularly were talking about how it might be the best thing that bracewa's ever ever done, and i kind of I kind of agree with that <laughs> there's a lot oh, of
1: absolutely uh, man it it's been so much fun on there
0: it's been yeah it's been pretty wild uh I know we don't spend, and we sort of do more of a uh, more of a baseball driven, uh, less side weirdness podcast than some. But uh, I wanted to at least point that out because that was pretty hilarious slash interesting. And uh, when uh, Chris uh, Chris Willis, our fearless leader at Talking Chop, um, let me know that they had asked you to do their radio hit. And then you texted me um, before it started. I was I was very excited, and then it happened, and you <laughs> killed it. And again, yeah, check it out. Check it out on the site. Um, Scott posted it, so it's now readily available. And uh, by the way, the co the co host on MLB Network Radio was pretty funny as well. I had no idea who was going to be hosting when you were on, and I did a spit take when I heard who it was.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I know. I was uh, I was talking to <laughs> uh, Josh on on Twitter. Who he was the one who infamously when when uh, Jim Bowden, for those who don't know, Jim Bowden, a couple of years ago, got duped on a fake account and kind of report on a trade deadline move of some sorts, if I remember right, and he he kind of stole some information that was fake information, and then like changed his Twitter account and tried to act <laughs> like he was hacked and changed his name to Ralph.
0: Oh um, man! It was so
1: bad. I didn't realize quite who was on there until like the interview started and the whole time I'm, I'm just trying to keep it together and, and not ask. And obviously, you know, in that, in that situation I, I wouldn't, but no. it was, it was certainly running through my head to, to ask, uh, to at least, you know, uh, to, to bring it up. But yeah, it was once I heard who was on the call, I was, I was <laughs> laughing a little bit.
0: Yeah. You, you made the right choice, uh, and in, in not firing off a question about Ralph, but I did, uh, I did really enjoy that and I didn't know until I heard it. So that was, uh, very, very funny. Okay, we can, we can talk some baseball now. Um, big picture-wise, the Braves are obviously in better shape now. They're 5-4. and four. They're within, what, a game and a half now of the Phillies. So the barrage from the opening series has subsided. So let's run down a little bit of what happened here. This last time we talked on Tuesday. Um, Wednesday was a fun one. There was the uh, the bases-clearing double by, by Joh- Johan Camargo, who was making his most prominent um, I guess, not, not debut, but most prominent appearance of the season on Wednesday with a, a pretty well-constructed lineup. That was the first time that the Braves had faced a lefty this season, and uh, we were all kind of pleasantly surprised with, with what happened. So, I mean, I don't want to have too many thoughts on that game other than I was impressed by the lineup, and that was, of course, the biggest play was the Camargo basis throwing double.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, that that game really kind of had the feel of a 2018 game, just the way that they battled. And, and then the Cubs took the lead middle innings. And, and of course, last year, the Braves led baseball and in, in wins in their last at bat. And I don't know if that game technically counted towards that number. But, uh, you know, for Camargo to come on and, and clear the bases, it was good to get that. Get that win as you said sweep the cubs it was kind of fortunate to get anytime you can get teams early in the year before they kind of hit their stride uh, you know i'd rather play the cubs right now the way they've been struggling versus getting them in august or something like that when they've probably had a little time to figure things out and and make some moves so uh you know to sweep to sweep the the cubs and start out uh with a pretty easy win that first day and then to, to come back on wednesday night uh, was was a nice addition and, and way to keep the mojo going after getting that first win on Monday.
0: For sure. And then Thursday was the Max Freed experience. He, You know, the perfect game bid. Uh, he was never going to get there based on what the Braves were going to probably be doing with his pitch count and all that fun stuff. But uh, six innings, one hit, no walks, no runs, five strikeouts, 11 ground ball outs, which was really impressive. Max Freed, we've been very, very pro Max Fried on this podcast, um, but he was absolutely filthy. On Thursday, which uh, made for another pretty breezy evening, uh, ended up being nine to four after the bullpen got a hold of it a little bit, but uh, not really in doubt at any point. And uh, Freed, I think, kind of announced his presence with, with authority with regard to the, to the rotation because, and I tweeted this on famously on that night, but a lot, a lot changed from the opener when he was in mop-up duty behind, like he was the guy that they used in the lowest leverage spot in a blowout loss at opening night, and then suddenly he was dealing at like a ridiculous level on Thursday.
1: Yeah, that that's as good as I've seen a young pitcher throw for the Braves in in a long time. I mean, he was he was filthy. Everything was right on the corners. The curveball was working. Uh, he was he was changing location well. Um, everything that you want a good young pitcher to do, he was he was doing. So, uh, yeah, he pitched he pitched like a guy who didn't want to go back to the bullpen or go down to to Gwinnett again. Um, and I think that that certainly bought him at least one more start. He's going to start. I think it's Tuesday night against the Rockies. Uh, here in a couple of days, he'll, he'll be the starter. And then I would assume that if, you know, until he, he shows that uh, he can't, because again, it's always been about injuries for him. I think now in his career, he's made 10 starts and he has a sub three ERA in those, in those starts. So he clearly has the stuff and the makeup to be um, a good pitcher. Uh, it's just a matter about staying healthy. And he also... T- Talked about, which I found was interesting, that uh, his time in the bullpen last year actually kind of opened his eyes a little bit, and he kind of learned about how to attack hitters. And you don't have to strike everyone out; and you need to get ahead of them. And, and if you can strike them out, great. But ultimately, you just want to set them down without without running up your pitch count too much. So it was all uh, a really encouraging first start for him, and, and hopefully, he's able to uh, keep going. And even with a couple guys, you know, Kevin Gosman, who we'll talk about, Kevin Gosman comes back, and, and Mike Fultonovich is nearing a return. Um, but you would think that Free did enough to at least keep his name in the in the running to get uh, starts moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, worth mentioning again the, to, to your point there, the eleven round ball outs is I, I mean not more impressive than the overall number, but the fact that he was just dealing and keeping the pitch count low and just kind of just in full control was pretty impressive. I mean, he's still young, like he's twenty five, which isn't like super duper young, but still very very young and intriguing. Um, obviously, a great arm for him. We'll talk about the rotation big picture in a, in a second. I do want to get to uh, Gosman, who came up, was recalled, well, I guess called up or whatever it was after his uh, <laughs> after his uh, rehab start. His first start of the season was Friday, and he was equally dominant. Seven innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, eighty-eight pitches for Gosman. They had option. They actually optioned Shane Carl to Gwinnett to make room for Gosman, which is worth noting as well. But um, it would be hard to chronicle. Two more effective starts back to back than what Freed and Gossman did, combining what, 13, 13 innings, three hits, no runs, two walks. Uh, that's pretty pretty lights out. Obviously, you can't expect that all the time, but as a, I know I'm a fan of Kevin Gossman, and he was obviously very good last year. Um, you, were, you had to be a little bit worried about him with the injury stuff, but he obviously did not appear to be uh, hampered in any way when he came back.
1: No, I mean, he he pitched about as well as you could have realistically hoped or expected. Um, You know, velocity was good. Uh, His splitter came on after he had a little bit of time to throw it. So, yeah, it was encouraging, especially when you consider how poorly he threw in in the spring. I mean, I think he made two starts where he didn't even uh, get out of the second inning. Um not that that you know, that's why you don't evaluate spring starts too much, but they are an indication of how guys are feeling, how they're throwing. Um and it wasn't just the results, but his stuff just didn't look great. So um he he the fact that his velocity was up to the mid-90s, I think he touched ninety-six or ninety-seven at one point, which is really good. His velocity was down last year, uh though it sounds like that was a, a product of some shoulder inflammation, which he was kind of pitching through. So uh, yeah, he's always been a guy who's performed when he was in Baltimore, and obviously he was he was pretty good in the second half last year. If he's able to continue that and be a, a stabilizing presence in the middle, especially as they, they rotate all these young pitchers in, I think it's only going to help the Braves and, and give them a shot to compete all year long.
0: Yeah, but they need, they need him. I mean, he's one of the safer guys when he's healthy, and now that he seems to be, that's pretty uh... – Intriguing. Obviously, he'll, he'll, he will not be as good as he was in his first start on a regular basis, but I do like him as sort of a stabilizing influence in the middle of that rotation. Uh, moving on from there, Kyle Wright was pretty good on Saturday. Of course, the Braves lose that game. as was the one loss they had because uh, A.J. Minter got beaten up a little bit. He had just, he had just come off um, of his injury and being activated. Um, I guess Thursday, he pitched a little bit better, of course. Minter, I'm talking about now, he walked two on Thursday and uh, did not give up any more damage than that, but on, on Saturday gave up a single and then a home run immediately in his first two batters to uh, basically lose the game. It was tied, so it wasn't like he completely imploded, but um, that was sort of the black mark. But before that, Wright was pretty good as well. So it wasn't like, um, obviously he wasn't quite as good as Gosman and Freed were, but Wright didn't like give his, give his spot up either because he was very solid. And in general, he's not been amazing to this point, but we all know how, t- how talented Kyle Wright is. There was a reason why he was a top draft pick and all that, so he isn't going away either.
1: Yeah, you're right. And and I think that first start on Sunday night with when it was like 40 degrees in Philadelphia and facing just what what's proving to be maybe the best lineup in the National League. I mean, there, there was a lot of things working against him uh, in, in that opening start. So, yeah, he, he seemed to be more comfortable, more confident. He was peppering the zone. He was throwing strikes. And, and like you said, um, it was just those uh, those two solo homers that got him in the fifth inning. That was all the damage the Marlins would do against him. Um, but he looked good. I mean, he, he had just one walk, which was important. He didn't have great command against the Phillies. Uh, but just one walk, five hits, the two runs, four strikeouts. It was more to kind of what we expected out of him. Um, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Um, I think if the Braves have to to shift somebody down to the minors when when Fulty comes back, um, I think Wright is more likely just because he's younger than, than someone like Max Freed. Um, he also has some service time things. Uh, to consider where the Braves might decide to to send him down in the minors to get another year of control. But ultimately, as we've said a couple times now, the Braves are going to regularly rotate all their young pitchers, not just Wright and Freed, but Tukey and Bryce Wilson and and Mike Soroka, who had a a fantastic uh, start on on, uh, Saturday night. I think he threw five or six scoreless innings. Uh, I think he had one, gave up one hit, no walks and struck out six. It was kind of what he did all of last year before getting a call-up, just dominating the minor leagues. So you talk about getting Fulty back and Soroka. There's going to be a logjam, and I think that's when the shuttle between Atlanta and Gwinnett, if you will, will really uh, come and
0: play. Yeah, I mean, we'll put the game my game on hold for a second just talk about the rotation for a minute. I mean, we talked about those three guys in succession uh, Fulte's on his way back. Fulte had a rehab start and went out on Thursday and pitched well. It was electric by everybody that watched him. I did not watch that. But five innings, 56 pitches, he was apparently really good and not, in not surprising fashion. He is very good when he's right. Um, so you have those, all that to say. And then Sean Newcomb pitched uh, earlier today on Sunday, was not good early in the start, but then battled through it and emerged with a pretty solid overall performance, at least in, with what the uh, stats look like. And then you have Julio, so you have all these arms. and. I hesitate to kind of put any firm proclamations in place. I think the only two guys who are super safe to stay in the rotation when healthy are Folty and Gosman. Everybody else is, you know, you can kind of have preferences or what you think is going to happen. We got we got a lot of questions that probably early in the game on Sunday. I have to go back and look at, look at the timestamps. of when these came in, people asking about Newcomb going to the bullpen and being optioned to go net and all this stuff. It's like it's clearly somewhat of an overreaction. You know, I know he drives people crazy. He drives me crazy, too. Sometimes when, when he can't throw strikes, but you have all these guys. If we if we just put Fulty and Gosman in a different category, and then you have Julio is like this very different entity who was this low-ceiling but safe veteran who's making a lot of money. Everybody else is almost in the same pool. I guess Newcomb's ahead of them just for safety's sake, because he's been around for so long. But you have all these arms, and to your point, it's not gonna be a five a, a five-man rotation. It's gonna be not that they're ever gonna just like run run out seven, but it's going to feel like that at times when they're when they're just kind of rolling through his guy, You know, Bryce Wilson already went down, but he, he'll be back up at some point. Tukey's going to be up. It's just going to be weird, and not in a bad way. I kind of support it, honestly, in in a big picture sense. But for a traditional Braves fan looking for their five starters, it may not, it just may not be that way this season for for the most part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's not just the Braves who are employing this. Now, teams are certainly envious of all the the young pitching depth. But even if you don't have the pitching depth that the Braves have, teams are still working on. Finding ways to to not have their starters throw 200 innings. I think the stat was only 13 guys threw 200 innings last season or something like that. I mean, it's just a different game. It's it's not the same. You know, pitchers are handled so much differently now than they were 15, 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, it's it's you know, it's a good problem to have. Frankly, you you can never have too many pitchers, as you said. I think Volte and Gosman, if healthy, are, are basically locked in. Um, and in Julio, I think they've shown that even with his ups and downs, just because they, I think they value that veteran consistency, and they know he could throw a hundred pitches or so if you need him. Um, I, I don't think he's a lock by any means, but um, if he's he's been a little bit better than at least through two starts than w- what he was last year. Um, he's done a nice job missing bats and all that. So um, yeah, I think that ultimately you have a couple guys who you're going to leave in there, and then other than that. Um, it's it's going to be a competition, and if you have two or three bad starts in a row, I think the Braves are, are going to make a decision to say, you know, let's let's give someone else a try, especially if they're throwing well, whether it be in Gwinnett or if it's out of the bullpen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a revolving door, and that's not a that's not a bad thing. Uh, we'll we'll see how Julio fares too. Like He pitches Monday in Colorado. We'll talk about that series at the end of the podcast. But two two starts so far, and while it hasn't always looked pretty, Tehran has been fine. You know, three point six ERA and two starts. Again, has not looked great at all times. You know, he's allowed 15 base runners in 10 innings, but you know, if he keeps doing that, it isn't going to matter how it get how it happens. Like at the end of the day, they're not going to take Julio out of the rotation unless he just kind of implodes, and he's not done that. So that's one more guy that you know you kind of need him to fall away. If, if you're rooting for the young guys, more often than not, it kind of requires Julio to cool off. And if your Braves fan wanting wins, you don't want to root for that. So it's like this weird dichotomy where no one is excited to watch Julio Tehran pitch. But as long as he's okay, he's going to be there every fifth day. That's kind of locked that into.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and he, that's kind of whenever he survived the off season, you had had a feeling that that was going to be the case. I mean, as long as the wheels don't completely fall off. Now we say this, and if he gets uh, torched over his next three or four starts, they might look to make a change. But you can do worse if he's your, you know, if he's the guy he's been early on this season. If he's your, if he's your fifth starter. Uh, you, you can do a lot worse. I think you you know what you're getting with Julio. He's not really going to surprise you necessarily. Um, and as we said, the results early on have been have been encouraging. And, and if he's able to repeat that, you know, for for 25 starts or so this year, I'm sure the Braves would would happily take it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that's something we've always been saying is that even if you kind of assign everything that you that we've said to Julio, there are many many teams where he would help them as their fifth, as a fifth starter. It's not exciting. It's not a ton of upside, but um, you know the Braves. The could certainly do worse. That's kind of the way that we'll put that for now. Um, okay, that's enough of that. I think for this moment, because there's a lot of fluidity happening. I want to talk about Sunday real quick, um, and that requires you to discuss David Swanson, who had the walk off. We mentioned this a little bit earlier, where it wasn't like he had this huge pressure spot. It was basically loaded, no outs, but he delivered. And for the season so far, it's a, again, it's a pretty small sample, but 346, 471 on base. 731 slugging for Dansby Swanson. That is the crazy number. Is the 731 slugging? Um, yeah. It's a very small sample, but he's showing power. His mechanics are different, and everyone seems to be on the same page that he just looks like a different guy at the plate. If any part of this is real, and you know, obviously a 1200 OPS is not real. I don't think, but if any of this is real, he's now an average hitter or better. Then look out, because he is obviously very good at everything else.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, with his glove, he's he's so good defensively now. He seems uh and, and with this new batting stance that he has we t- we discussed he's kind of changed things he's dropped his hands a little bit he's he's changed his foot placement i mean he looks he looks like a completely different hitter. I was talking to a friend uh who's a diamondbacks fan who who follows the diamondbacks pretty closely and of course followed him uh followed dansby and and he said that uh, he was watching the game today or, or saw the home run today and said it looks like a completely different player so it's obvious that the adjustments he's made you talked about the power that's something that he's uh that he's lacked early on and, and everyone kind of thought he would be a guy who hits 15 to 20 homers this year or uh every year and while he, he certainly inched towards that last year um you know he's hit was it three homers now in in eight games nine games um and not only that but and while of course there are exhibition games but in those two uh exhibitions against the reds he homered both nights and went opposite field so i mean he's hitting the ball hard he's getting the ball in the air um he you know he's he's not uh he's doing a nice job on the outside part of the plate as well that's where pitchers last year with their own breaking stuff on the outer part of the plate and he was just kind of flailing at it and not hitting it with any kind of authority um he seems to be laying off those pitches and, and taking advantage of whenever he does get pitches in the zone so uh, i think through the first week and a half or so he's he's been the brightest point of, of anyone for the braves and uh even if he even if he's an average hitter you know even if you can get a 750 or so OPS out of Dansby. Uh, with his glove, he's going to be a very, uh, a very valuable piece, and and you hope that with his pedigree and, and history, the, the sky could be the limit for him, and and he obviously has the upside to be a a five or six WAR player if he's able to keep this going, and that would be, uh, you know, goes without saying that would be that would be very good for the Braves.
0: Yeah, I mean his his slugging is again pretty comically inflated at this point. It's 34 plate appearances, but you know he has he has three home runs and 34 plate appearances. He had six in his entire rookie season. 551 blade appearances, so uh, just kind of to show you how the the power is coming on. We'll see if that lasts, but um, very, very positive signs for Dansby Swanson. Again, can't ask for much more than this. Um, we transitioned transition a little bit. I mean, we, we talked about Johan Camargo earlier briefly when he had the, the basis clearing double on Wednesday. People were starting to chirp a little bit over the weekend, over the first weekend, I should say, that he was not playing, and they were worried about his plate appearances, but quietly this week he made three starts. He started. He started at right field on Sunday. He started at third on Saturday when they were giving Josh Donaldson the day off. You know they're using him the way that I would have used him um, the entire time. His, his his bat actually hasn't been uh, super alive other than the big double on Wednesday. But I think people don't need to worry about him not playing like that was something that we were getting like I had a couple questions like fouled away on Thursday Friday and then he played back-to-back days at different spots and now it's like okay everybody, everybody calm down he's gonna play it may not be as much as you want him to play but you know that this is with no injuries and him starting in, in the core outfield spot especially in right field is uh, encouraging just with his flexibility and versatility because if they're comfortable with him playing out there granted it was on granted it was uh, it's the Marlins all that fun stuff but if they're willing to put him out there that is a good sign.
1: Yeah, and, and Johan looked really comfortable in both yep. the corner spots. I mean, there, there was a great photo of him today of him blowing a bubble as he was tracking down a ball in the outfield, which uh, was kind of fun to see. So yeah, he looks he looks confident for a guy who's never really played a corner outfield spot. You mentioned playing left on on uh, earlier and playing right on Sunday. Uh, and the other thing too is, and the Braves did this on on Sunday, but. Uh you know you can always switch him out if 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 it's a close game late, you can always defensive sub him out with Marcus or um or whoever you know if if you want to put uh Joyce out there and left and and move guys around you you have that flexibility um but yeah as you said he's he's not gonna play every single day, but I don't think johan's at a level where you necessarily even want him playing every day he's he's gonna be more valuable when he can bop all over the place and give guys like donson give guys like Marcus. Uh, a little bit of a breather and uh, we actually, we didn't mention it uh, with Dansby, but Dansby avoided what could have been a really bad injury. Um, I almost forgot about
0: that actually because he was Wednesday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was worried that uh, on Wednesday he went to go tag out uh, John Lester on a a tag play and, uh, and jammed his wrist and, or his thumb or whatever it was. And of course he had surgery on that same, uh, same wrist last September. So you worry that, that it was going to zap his power and he was going to play through an injury like he did last year. And obviously he he feels pretty good because he's hit the ball really well since then. But, um, but yeah, going back to Camargo, he's, he's going to be all over the place. Don't worry too much about the, just the one hit so far. Uh, He's going to get into a groove and and be the guy who uh, the Braves envisioned whenever they signed, uh, whenever they signed Donaldson.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm, you know, people were a little bit, I don't know if it was worried, but it's like, oh, Donaldson's already resting, what's wrong? I'm like, well, that's the whole point. He was never, he was never going to play 158 this season. Like, Donaldson is an older guy. He wasn't off this, he wasn't off to this torrid start. Camargo is obviously very qualified to play third base. Um, But yeah, him playing all over the place is kind of coming into place. He played, uh, did he play a a second and shortstop? Um, I can't remember if you. I think um, played, I think he came in at one point and played shortstop for a second. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's playing everywhere. He can play there, obviously. Um. So the plan is coming. The plan is falling in place with Camargo. So nothing yeah. to be concerned about whatsoever. And catcher is 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 a worry spot all of a sudden because over the weekend Brian McCann um was put on the. I keep, I keep saying DL, on the I-L, the injury. injury I-L, just, yes, uh, I-L. With a right hamstring strain that he clearly suffered in plain view of everyone, everybody knew as soon as it happened that it was going to be a little bit of an issue for B-Mac. He's a veteran, he's an old guy. Um, that happens to old guys. Soft tissue injuries happen when you're a little bit older, and that it's unfortunate because uh, you know everybody's written for Brian McCann in a big way, but he's going to be gone for a little bit here. And then Tyler Flowers got hit in the hand with a pitch, stayed in the game, but apparently couldn't swing a bat, according to the reports. They stayed in the game because he was the only guy available. They, you know, their emergency catcher was Charlie Culverson, who hasn't who hasn't caught in like ten years. I said, um, so, you know, they, they called up Alex Jackson, who played on Sunday. He's now pretty much the only guy. They're not putting flowers on the IL. Apparently, he's going to be okay. He, he, he was scheduled to have another X-ray on Sunday morning, but he's like day to day. I guess it was available in an emergency. But if you can't swing a bat, that's not ideal. And to have both of your veteran catchers go down in what an hour (laughs) it was kind of uh kind of crazy to see that happen back to back um i know they're both they're both veterans in their 30s but uh that's not the greatest luck in the world
1: i want to know what it is about braves catchers getting hurt like instantaneously because if you think about it last year was it flowers and suzuki who both got hurt within like 24 hours of each other yep. or something like and that. And there was and a mad were,
0: scramble to be like who plays catcher now? We don't it know. It was like
1: yeah, it was like I think for a game or two they had Chris Stewart and yep. uh like literally no other catcher. If, if Stewart got hurt, it was going to be an emergency catcher regardless of, of situation. So I mean that, uh, that literally it's, it's almost just, happened
0: today. I mean they they call up Jackson <laughs> like because they, you know, if this if this was if it was easier, they probably could put Flowers on the IL. I'm not even sure who would it be if they if they had to put Flowers on the IL. Do you even know who who they'd call up? I'm not even sure. Do they have another guy that we even recognize? Maybe I'm, dr- I'm drawing a blank did, here, but I can't even think about who. they're I know next
1: they is is Rafi Lopez. I should know this is Raf, I know he's not on the forty-man roster. Did they get rid of him, or I did f- they just reassign him and boot him off the forty-man?
0: That fell off that uh, fell through the cracks for me too. So let me. uh this, yeah, is, this but, is great radio. About, I mean, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think no, I think he's. Uh, I think he's still. Yeah, he's still. He's he's a, he's a Gwinnett, so maybe he would be the guy.
1: So you would have to boot someone from the forty-man roster just to to get him up. I mean, it would be (laughs) it would be a a bad situation if all of a sudden you're relying on on Alex Jackson, who looked who called a good game. I mean, to his credit, he he made his debut on on Sunday and called a good game with Sean Newcomb, who is probably not the easiest guy in the world to catch with his uh, inconsistent command. So. Uh, you know, Jax, he didn't get a hit. He looked a little overwhelmed at the plate. But I mean, I get it. Your heart's going a million miles an hour. You're not, you're not thinking about anything. You're, you're just trying to uh, get the ball on the ball. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully Flowers. Thank goodness there was nothing broken. That could have been really bad. Um, he's a guy who always seems to get hit. You know, maybe they, maybe they sit him for another, <clears throat> another day or two as they, as they travel out west. Hopefully, whenever he, he flies. Uh, the altitude doesn't mess with his bruising and swelling or whatever he may have. But with a little bit of luck, he'll be back in, in a couple of days. And and with Mac, you hope, as you said, he's a little bit older. You hope that the hamstring strain is more of the mild variety. Um, and he's able to come back shortly after uh, the 10 days that he's going to be on the, on the IL.
0: Yep. Uh, I mean, all things considered, they certainly would like to have Brian McCann healthy and available. and hope that, that will happen very soon here. But yeah, you know, Jackson, Positive signs, for the most part. It's one game, so who knows? But um, people were really excited about Alex Jackson in spring. I know I gathered that from people that were down there, talking to people that cover the team a little bit, you know, on and offline. People are intrigued by Alex Jackson. He's come a long way in a short period of time. So the fact that he was not an embarrassment in a Major League game today. If you told someone, like, a year and a half ago that Alex Jackson was going to be catching in a Major League game in April 2019, they would have thought you were insane. So... Pretty impressive yeah, I mean, good
1: for him. I mean, yeah. they were talking today that you know, they told Jackson last year when he started in Mississippi. You know, don't worry about hitting; just work on your footwork, work yep. on your framing, work on your defense, and, and anything else you can do to hit uh, is you know is a bonus. So good for him. Like we said, there was there was talk last summer. I think it was Mark Bowman who said that you know scouts had really kind of fallen off a little bit on on the Jackson bandwagon. Not that he wasn't a guy who had. The oh, potential they definitely to they
0: definitely did. Even our guys were like, oh, maybe not.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe not the, you know, he he had all the prospect pedigree and was a high draft pick and, and all that. Um, and even if he's not the the star catcher that some people thought he could be an offensive force behind the plate, even if he's a you know backup for a few years, you can do a lot worse. Uh, and, and, you know, good on him for, for working hard and improving his defense and, and all that.
0: Yeah, I mean, at his age, you know, the fact that he's already arriving and being okay, like he's still 23. I think he's been on He's been around for a long time. He's a first-rounder in 2014. It's been a while, but he sort of had this up-and-down path, but still very young in the grand scheme of things. So if it, if it works out for him, that would be pretty cool in a lot of ways. Um, this is going to be a shorter podcast than normal because I'm on the road and you know, it's just one of those things. But I do want to end with a little bit of a future look. Um, the Braves go to Colorado, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Three games in Colorado on the road, and then a, including a getaway day afternoon game in Colorado on Wednesday, and then back for four against the Mets, the one team in the division um, you know that I haven't spent that much time watching. You know, there was a lot of talk about Philly, of course, in the, in the opening series, and then Philly and Washington were playing with the Bryce Harper stuff. I haven't seen too much of the Mets. I, mean, I know what they've been looking like, but that'll be intriguing. It's always fun when the Mets come in town, and that's also an ESPN Sunday nighter um ne- at this time next week which will be uh always fun especially because the mets employ jessica mendoza who'll be i guess commentating on the game despite being an employee of the mets <laughs> that'll be very interesting as well
1: yeah that's a weird little setup they Oh, that is and
0: a-, a-, a rod's a yankees employee so it's not just her like it's uh, a very very strange setup for espn but anyway um what are your what are your thoughts expectations i know i know you're always the uh, the go-to guy for these uh it's not really that late i guess it's like a well, like a 940 start monday night against colorado so you're always the guy who gets the call on these because you're out there on the west coast but colorado <laughs> and and by the way if it's not you it's me because i don't sleep but uh colorado new york thoughts
1: yeah it's uh you know rockies are as we're recording they're getting thumped by the, the dodgers again and the rockies are off to a pretty bad start they're uh they're going to be three and seven going into tomorrow unless they make a huge comeback so Threw off to a little bit of a slow start. Again, you talked about the Cubs just not playing very well. The Rockies are in the same boat, so it doesn't hurt to get them out of the way. It is interesting. uh, We were talking about the weather. and uh, Monday and Tuesday, it's supposed to be beautiful in Denver, like unseasonably warm, like mid-upper 70s, 81 on Tuesday, which would be good. But then there's like this winter snowstorm coming in on Wednesday on getaway day, so hopefully the Braves don't get uh, rain-slash-snowed out because it would be a real pain to have to – fly all the way back to Denver for one game later in the year. Um, but, you know, they'll see they'll see Kyle Freeland on Monday night, who I believe was uh, the Rocky starter last year in the playoffs. It was, it was their game one uh, wild card starter. Um, they, they'll see Jermon Marquez, who's really, really good. If, if you haven't seen him pitch, he just got a big contract extension similar to so all the other guys getting uh, their deals extended, and then uh, Wednesday's up in the air. So it should be... Good series, a lot of offense. Coors Field always makes for some fun games. Uh, the Braves have actually played a little bit better there in recent years compared to what they – I mean, it used to be a place where even when the Braves were really good, they seemed to lose at least two out of three every time they would go uh, go there. So hopefully a good series. And then you mentioned the Mets. They're off to a good start. It looks like it's a four-game series, and they'll see their whole rotation uh, with the exception of, of Noah Syndergaard, which I guess is a little bit of a break. You wish it was DeGrom who's been – basically perfect in his couple starts this year um they'll see him i think on on sunday night baseball actually yep um that's that's what's in
0: line for right now at least
1: yeah yeah so be tough series i mean as we talked all all spring that it's going to be so important to play well against divisional foes and uh with with the east being so competitive this year it's going to be a a four team race all the way so it'd be nice to especially with it being at home to win at least two uh if not take three out of four and, and take the series
0: yeah, the least favorable pitching matchup um, of the week is probably Monday with Julio in Coors Field against Kyle Freeland. That's a bad matchup. Freeland is very good, and uh, all respect to Julio. His stuff is not really play in Coors Field, I don't think. So we'll see how that looks, but that's not a favorable one for the Braves. The rest of the time, it's not too bad, though. Uh, you know, obviously. I think what I have circled on my little fake agenda here is uh, Kyle Wright, Steven Matz on Thursday, because I am always intrigued by Steven Matz. I don't know why. I, I can't quit that guy. So yeah, it be um, fun. and then Degrom. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, right now the Braves uh, have a, uh, I guess, an unplanned starter for, for that Saturday night game. It, it would be Max Freed if he, if um, not back. It, it might be Fulty, We'll see. Um, but de Degrom would be fun. Fulty gets back, that, that's like the first night that I think that's like the first night that Fulty could be back. Um, In theory, that's the date that I had written down as like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Bowman tweeted that out. That was like April 14th, maybe Fulty. And I'm like, all right, that'd be interesting. If that happens, that'd be awesome. Fulte to grow ESPN Sunday night.
1: Woo. How, uh, how weird is it to have, you get two Sunday night games in three weeks for the Braves where well, just we, we were talking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think before, before last Sunday, the last Sunday night game for him was uh, the military game. It was at Fort Bragg. Uh, where they were playing, and then before that, I mean, God knows. Now, with reason, I mean, obviously they usually don't put rebuilding, you know, teams that lose 90 games on, on Sunday night very often, but kind of, kind of fun and kind of weird to have two out of three Sunday night games to begin the year after not being featured on it for basically three years in a row.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of ESPN games this year. Um, these two, uh, well, they have the one, this, this, with, this one with New York, then the following Sunday, they're on again in Cleveland. Oh, wow. So it's three out of four. Uh, and that's uh, going to be interesting, unless I'm reading this wrong, and I'm not. Um, it's yeah, it's the the following Sunday, the 21st, is uh, Braves at Indians in Cleveland, and that's an ESPN game as well. Uh, and then it then it cools off from there, and they don't play again on Sunday night until uh, late May against St. Louis. But still, um, this kind of flurry of national attention it comes with the Braves being good last year. That's probably the biggest reason why this happens. Um, and also, as we discussed ad nauseum on this podcast before. If uh, people know this, the Braves fan base is absolutely enormous. So if they're good, people want to put them on television because they'll get a lot of ratings. The Braves aren't quite the Yankees or the yeah. Red Sox, but they have uh, a big fan base that will draw nationally.
1: So. Well, and, and nationally, too. You know, yeah. it's not just one. It's not a centralized fan base like some teams. I mean, it's, it's like, everywhere, like, obviously. Like, your, like yourself,
0: so. Scott. Um, not in the, not in the right. region. the region um but uh, we, we have people huh. we have people from our staff that are not um obviously in addition to you they're not uh, just like central, centralized in Atlanta I know a lot I have personal friends that have never lived in Atlanta and have been Braves fans for the duration so it is what it is man uh thanks to TBS shouts to TBS we are everywhere yeah
1: shouts to TBS the good old days uh
0: and by the way uh as someone who covers the Atlanta Hawks who are very very centralized to Atlanta um grants a different sport the fan base size of those two teams is not anywhere close. So, um, again, out to Ted Turner. Uh, all right, Scott. Well, that's that's plenty on this podcast. I think for now, gonna be a little bit shorter than normal. But we're in, we're in the weekly groove now. We can't we can't go an hour and ten minutes every podcast. Was, we'll probably wear, wear ourselves out in uh, in April. But please plug anything that you have going on. I know it's uh, the Scott the Scott Coleman showcase. Given the Tiger Woods thing, and now that they're in <laughs> now that they're in Colorado, uh, two two nights of Scott. I think Monday and Tuesday, which is always fun. But anything else going on for you that we should uh, be notable?
1: That is more than anyone could ever ask for. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not too much. We'll get the, like you said, the the game day coverage as always, and uh, any kind of news that pops up. Hopefully we get some good news here on the injury front with the guys, and um, as always, check the site. And I love the, for anyone who doesn't read them, the minor league recaps are like the best thing you'll read. They I are mean, gold. Yeah. I mean, it's a way to uh, stay in touch with, with everything going on, but you know the guy, the prospect guys do such a great job, and and it's by far and away you know my one of my favorite parts of uh, of the site. So check those out, and as always on on uh, social media, at, uh, Scott Coleman fifty five.
0: Yeah, shouts to Eric shouts. and the minor league crew. Those guys do fantastic work. And by the way, a good a good point of reference here, we also have the the Road to Atlanta podcast on this same feed. So if you've not caught that up, yet, if you're seeing some weird podcast that you're, that you're unfamiliar with on this feed, it's because Road to Atlanta. Is on this feed now, and you should be listening to that as well. It's the minor league side. I listen to that because uh, I'm always candid in saying that I am not the, the biggest prospect guy in the world. So I rely on our guys um, and reading a lot. And you know, our good friend, good friend, and former co-host Carlos Colazo over at Baseball America. I, I rely on people that I trust on the minor league stuff because I can't watch as much as I would like to. So um, Eric and that, Eric and the, and the crew, the minor league recaps are invaluable. So if you're like me and you don't want to dive in and you can't be watching Mississippi on a Tuesday night. Um, that's a great place to catch up on all that. So check that out on this feed and also on the site at TalkingChop.com. So uh, follow Scott. You can follow me if you'd like to come listen to Atlanta Hawks stuff most of the time, at least until the season ends, which is very, very soon. There'll be a lot more Braves focused for about uh, three, four months and then we'll back in the Hawks again. But uh, anyway, uh, follow me at, at, at BT Roll and follow the site as always. And thank you, Scott. We'll do it again very soon.
1: Thanks as always for having me on. A lot of fun and uh, yeah, it's good to have baseball back
0: we are back we're cooking we're two weeks in and uh, we're having fun so uh, please subscribe to the podcast and we'll see everybody next week